Some things are hard to talk about. Some things are hard to listen to. This might be one of those things, but be assured, we will still strive for truth, and in this case, understanding, and resolution. So with no further delay, double standards of minority groups right now. Philosophers. Philosophers. All right, David. So we were just chatting and having a hard time coming up with a topic, but I think you finally got a good one for us. Yeah. Um, so this one is going to be one of our one one of those controversial episodes, which are the best ones. So indeed. Um yes, so my my gripe today is about a particular double standard in Western society right now about mm, the the way we conceptualize uh, certain minority groups in a way that if the if the majority group thought of themselves in the same way, it would be unacceptable. Why don't you go ahead and give us an example? Okay. Um, so the, the, the phrasing that gets under my skin that I hear a lot is we'll take some, some minority group, let's say lesbian, gays, bi's, transsexual, um, LGBT, the common abbreviation. So people might, if, if you, if you want to talk about people who fall into that category, there's no such thing as an LGBT person. You can't be lesbian, gay, bi, and transsexual at the same time. Right. So that doesn't exist. Um, and it's clunky to say someone who is one of LGBT, whatever. Um, so I, I, I guess I'm, I'm speculating about the evolution of the term, the LGBT community. Okay. Um, but, and, and I don't necessarily have a problem with using using that word as a as a shorthand just to, to get the point across. But the the thing that I take issue with is that once a term like that is coined, then people sort of start to take it literally, and people in this community. It, rather pe- people who are in this category begin to actually think of themselves as a community um which and i also i don't necessarily have a problem with communities either and i can see a place in certain societies for such a community like let, let's say for for gay people i can see a legitimate interest for gay people in a place like the middle east to have a community where they watch out for one another because they are genuinely oppressed and persecuted there and are under threat of death for things that are outside their control. That's fine. Um, But in Western society, this turns into sort of a weird social club where people who fall into a category congratulate one another on aspects of themselves that they were born with. I think that's weird. I agree. And so so my example to to contrast this is like let let's say like let, let's pick a majority group in a place like the United States. 
if people started talking about the white community, like that just feels weird to even say. But the reason it's weird is because, first of all, white people don't think of themselves as a community. I don't look, I don't see another white person and think that, oh, he's my brother because we're white. That would and be weird. <laughs> it would be very weird. Um, but people in these minority communities often do think of themselves that way. We, we are kin, so to speak, because we fall into this category, this minority category together. Right. Um, like when white people do get together and call themselves brother because they're white, we call it for what it is racism. But when minority groups do it, we don't see it that way. Yeah. So I think we should start by talking about identity groups in general mm -hmm. because uh, I was reading while you were talking, I was skimming the Wikipedia article on LGBT because it has its own article. Okay. Um, and one of the things that was interesting about it is the first two paragraphs go through how LGBT or as it's also tend to, it has been used before GLBT means the same things. It just switched the order up. Uh, sure. Um, this is a fairly recent term that came about in the nineties. Uh, very, very recent. Yeah. Um, and, but it does go through the history. So I'm going to walk these back through history real quick and kind of see if we can glean something from it for this specific example. And then we can kind of launch into maybe the, the general analogy. So, um, so before LGBT, you had LGB, uh, and then before that, it replaced the term gay in general. So, uh, right. so the term gay, uh, essentially you just refer to those who were homosexual, which apparently is now offensive according to this article. I wouldn't have thought, um, and then before that it was homophile. And then, so it was the first term that we have in history, or at least in the United States in modern history is you're, you're homosexual. And then you had homophile in uh after that which was in the 50s and 60s then in the 70s it was gay and then in the 80s it was lgb and then in the 90s it was lgbt so this whatever group it rapidly changed this you know it's it's the name given to this group rapidly changed and i mm -hmm. think that's the thing that i kind of want to talk about uh first because i'm i brought this up before we began um i'm going to switch from uh sexual preference and identity or sexual orientation and identity over to race. So uh, there's an excellent video on YouTube by the ever excellent CGP Grey, who we might as well just be a sub channel of at this point. Um, <laughs> we are not sponsored by CGP Grey. We um, are not, but we would love to be. We would love to be. Uh, also, Grey, please be on our show. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> we'll take Brady. You're also great. Um, so... He did a video about the word Indian, as in, in to describe American Indians, yes, or Native Americans. And yes. he, it's it's episode zero of a series which currently is still at episode zero about the history of Native Americans or Indians. Yes, yeah. yeah, especially them being called Indians. Yeah, right. And that's what this video is about. Is it? It's this is video. It okay. Do we, what should you call Native Americans? Yeah. Yeah. The entire video is so that he, because he he did research for this series, he went to 
tribes and spoke to members of tribes, you know, gathered research in person, you know, and the entire time he was there, the term Indian was preferred and he relayed that experience. And he also felt the need to create an entire video. Yes, a part zero to his series because he knew that if he started a part one and just started throwing the word Indian around that people on the internet would scream. Well, they would stop at that and they would miss the entire point of the creation, right? It would stop at, oh, you used word. You used the I word. Right. And thus disregard the original intended purpose of this being educational. Yeah. And we're going to... But you can't learn if you're upset. Right. Because of a word he picked. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but he goes on to explain how that came to be. So if you want to see the full video, please go watch it. I, I would encourage you to go watch it anyway, even if I do an amazing job of explaining it right now. Also, it's great. Gray. When is part one? When is part one? Yeah, for real. Um, So he discusses, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a little bit since I've seen this video, even though I've watched it about a dozen times. Uh, He starts out reviewing the history of where the term came from. Well, when people from the the east in europe well that's not really the east but it is when you're in america but like uh people from europe people from europe europeans if you will europeans yes showed up they thought they had landed in india yeah so these must be indians there you go and that's where the term came from they sort of you know if you're not scrutinizing they do look similar especially compared to europeans most of which who may or may not have ever seen ever seen an actual indian yeah yes um and not only that but after we figured it out long ago that oh these are not indians in the term you know they're not from india they're not from india and this isn't india yeah we're not in india and these people aren't from india yeah right so even after that they found out about the same time that you know well what do we call you because europeans had a name for themselves on a continental basis, mm-hmm. which is also fairly undis- nondescript be- beyond geography. Oh, we're, we're European, so we're from the continent of Europe, which is insanely diverse. I mean, there's many, many different cultures and countries. So, it's- Well, yes. And, well, and e- even at that time, though, like there wasn't really a European identity at the time either. No, um, but at least like, they had you would have a- still said where you're from, like I'm Portuguese or whatever. Right. But anyway, but the point was, is that there was, and Greg goes on to explain this, identities do not exist for the individual necessarily with that identity. It is for anyone else to classify. Yes. Um, Because classifications are useful. Well, they should be, or they shouldn't exist. Um, That's that's an assertion, but fight me on that one. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, yeah, this goes, this isn't even about uh, categories. This is about names. Like, that's what a name is for. Right. Yeah. But it, so that I can distinguish something I'm calling this name from everything else. Right. And so by the time, inter- by the, I'm going to skip forward in time a bit. So by the time the United States was a thing, couple, about a hundred years later, a couple hundred years later at this point, a uh, couple hundred years from first contact to yeah. founding of the United States. Almost 300. Almost but. 300 years later. Uh, these groups of people still exist, and they have been interfacing with now... They're not Europeans anymore. Because there are generations of families who have lived here now from Europe. Right. 
and don't be wrong. of European descent. Right. Ethnically, they are European. Right. And I acknowledge, you know, the circumstances under which that occurred. Aside, most of the people who are alive at that time, you know, they, they this, you know, they, they looked at the land that their family had owned. My family's owned this, fam- this farm for generations. That kind of thing had occurred, you know. Uh, so you can't just necessarily use the term American like you might have before. Because now those people are Americans. The, yeah. The the white folks are Americans. Yeah. Right. But these groups now want to understand that and this is we're kind By of, the way, just anti quote mining thing. I'm not implying that only white folks are Americans. Right. <laughs> um so and I'm gonna refer back to Gray here. But at this time and since before, folks that we would refer to as Indian found that having a collective identity that was given to them if not thrust upon them was better than people trying to deal with independent tribe identities for most cases especially with this new government who deals with all kinds of different other things that if you keep changing your name it's going to be hard to keep up with you know just what do we call all of you as a group because you are going to collectively, and, and there was collective bargaining that occurred. It's easier to collectively bargain when you identify yourself as the same group. A great example in the modern realm are labor unions have names. They they do not discriminate between the members of the union. It's the union. So when the employer bargains, they, employ, they bargain with the entity. So that was seen as advantageous for doing such. And since then, it has stuck. And not only that, and I forget the term for this. Uh, oh, no, I remember it now. Um, and this was the term that CGP Grey strongly warned against, uh, cautioned people for uh, when, he, when he did the video. Uh, but the reason uh, that many people that he spoke to uh, that were in the tribes, and he also noted that the closer you were geographically to an Indian tribe, the more likely you were to use the term Indian. That was another interesting thing that he noted in his travels. Yeah. Um, but members of the tribe... The word they use to describe why they don't like the term like Native American is because it's overly inclusive. Yeah, over-inclusivity. Yeah. Yes. Which is counter in just it's what it's called alone to a lot of other different things where, you know, everyone's about inclusivity now. How can you be too inclusive, right? Right. And yeah, the, to, the, that, the hang up here is not that being inclusive is bad. It's that your term is so inclusive that it becomes vague and has little meaning. Um, Cause yeah, when you say native American, well, there's a lot, there, there were a lot of groups that were native to the American continents. Yes. Um, and they're very different from one another. Um, right. And so, yeah, the American Indians are, are one category that is distinct from say the Inuit or various South American groups. Right. Um, so what this kind of brings us to, and I think that's the extent of the usefulness for our context of that video, but again, please go watch it. Um, so what that brings us to is there appears to be some type of scoping problem when it comes to inclusivity. There is such a thing as being overly inclusive, which is, makes sense. Uh, 
because if it was the like the, the name of the bureau in the United States is the Bureau of Indian Affairs, not the Bureau of Native American Affairs. Right. Because they do not deal with uh oh they don't call them Indians in Canada. What are they what do they refer to? First people, I think is what they use now. Sure. Whatever. Um that there's they don't you know, the US Department of Indian Affairs does not deal with them. They they deal specifically with Indians in the United States of America. Yes. And so that is the term they use because that is scoped perfectly for what their job is. Um, now, and, and these tribes originally would have liked to have been treated independently by their different tribe names that they gave themselves. But then you are edging towards the over-exclusivity problem, which is... I can't keep up with all of these people. Right. And all I can't of these be remembering. I, I can't. Yeah. When, well, you know, we can, we can take it. We, we don't have the time today to go into the history of how American Indians got into the situation they're in right now. Like, but let's, let's set aside the reasons why this became the case. Um, you can't, like, we're, we're at a point now where American Indians are so outnumbered by the rest of Americans who aren't uh, within those ethnic groups um, that to to try to negotiate with them all individually on a tribal basis when their their options now are either to assimilate into American society or live on an Indian reservation. It's like, okay, well, we're going to carve out this little tiny part of the reservation, and this is for the, the Navajo, and, and this is for the Cherokee. It's like, we can't, we can't do this. Um, you know, they've, they've been pushed into their, into their corner, however unjustly, but they've been pushed into their corner and, and categorized thusly. It's, it, at, at this point, it is too cumbersome to, to deal with it on an individual tribal basis and and just to give some actual data points here the list of federally recognized tribes in the united states there are 574 of them yeah of which 231 are in alaska cool for reason i don't know why it bothered to tell me that but that's kind of neat i guess but <laughs> but to give it credence like I, I don't know that they necessarily have this but like so i just picked a random one the big pine Oh, I should have picked this one. I can't pronounce the name. It's P-A-I-U-T-E. Paiute. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Sounds uh, good to me. A tribe of the Owens Valley. That's a recognized tribe. That's a very specific name. Right. Of which there are 462 enrolled members. And this is a federally recognized group. That would be like the federal government federally recognizing a mid to a company. Right. And giving well, I mean, it, they they do that, but but, but giving it special treatment. Because, well, okay, that also happens, but like, <laughs> but but you hear me out. Like, every company of that size um, getting special treatment of that size based on their specific unique situation, right? And and don't be wrong. That's not to. I don't want to discount the fact that each every individual has a unique situation to themselves as well. You know, like we could go all the way down to the individual, but there reaches a point where I, you know. It's just impractical for managing groups of people to at that level to go all the way there with any type of structure. Um, and for what purpose, you know? Um, so 
that's one end of the spectrum. That's that's the argument I'm making. And then the other end is the over-inclusive, which is essentially saying humankind has a problem. It's like, do they though? Like, how many problems affect literally every human being that has ever existed and ever will? Because that's what humankind means. It doesn't just mean all humans that are alive. It means all genetic humans that have ever existed and ever will exist, essentially. Sure. What, what pro- more, like, you, you might say mortality. Correct. That does affect all of them <laughs> so far, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, you can't discuss things like how do, um, how does, like, eating wheat affect humankind? Well, that's not really a good scope for that because people are different people are different like you have people who may have allergies you have different types of cultures that some of which wheat might be significant others which they've never had it you know like well right well yeah and people are so uh geographically diverse that well they're so genetically diverse because of previous geographic diversity that digestive systems differ yeah based on genetics like some people just cannot process certain types of food because of their genetics because of their their uh ethnicity right and i think a good way uh, there might actually be a good way to come with a metric on scoping uh i'm thinking back to my days when i had to read or cite scientific papers and their names um if you've never gone to a database of like scientific publications it's fascinating uh especially in this regard there are 30 plus pages of documentation for a study that was performed to explain one variable for a very narrow subsection of people because that's what was accomplishable with the budget. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's true. Like if you were to set out like, and if you've ever been in, most of us have been in some type of education before. Imagine your teacher tasks you to write an essay on the effects of wheat on humankind. Yeah, that's a long paper, man. Like, you're going to have to go through all well, of Well, the... there's this group and this group and this group and this group and this group. Yeah. And, this, and then there's this group too. And there's this wheat and this wheat and this wheat and this wheat and this wheat at this time. And yeah, it gets real. You know, if you just had sliders for people, wheat, kind, and time, that's huge. That's huge. And then it's like, okay, and then in this area, these pests exist, which affect wheat crops. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you can see how quickly this spirals into an un... Like, what are you trying to meaningfully glean from this, right? Um, and you can make some generalizations, but the problem with, with generalizations is the more general they are, the less applicable they are. Because there's always a reason not to use it. Or there's, you know, Going back to the scientific, you know looking into the scientific method though the the whole goal we're looking for is things that invalidate a claim if it's if a claim is invalidated then it's a bad claim and you need to redefine the claim and Mm -hmm. this happens all the time you know uh like if you were to say well this chemical in this quantity exposed over this amount of time to a human being will cause cancer with a 90 percent you know confidence rate Mm -hmm. the one time it doesn't that study is now wrong and you need to adjust the confidence rate or whatever. Like, well, that's why we put confidence rates on things anyway. It gives us that flexibility to say, right? because if we say it always does this, then as soon as we find one where it doesn't, it's like, well, now you're wrong. Now you're wrong. Better figure out what it actually is. Yeah. Exactly. So in the pursuit of finding these truths, we have to scope problems to make them manageable. Um, and that's not to say that we need to scope humans because as a group, they're unmanageable on a problem. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. but yeah, so, so back to the Indians, topic. Indians. So, 
yes, naturally speaking, we've arrived at a place where the term Indian is about as right-sized as we can get to identify the group of people for the meaningful purpose for which institutions have been created to deal with, with those people. So bringing that back up to why terms exist. Um, so we create names to identify groups of people for a reason. Mm -hmm. So let's take it back to the, now back to LGBT, right? So the term gay in its origin meaning meant literally anyone who is homosexual. There was not a term that specified gay or lesbian at this sure. point. They, they, you know, gay it doesn't means matter. Today. Right. Yeah. Um, but that term apparently was not sufficient for the group that was given that name. And then you also have to, I guess, ask the question, at what point does the group give itself the name or does the group, is the group given that name by outsiders, you know? Sure. I would typically believe... But anyway, we're, we're not here to talk about how things get named. That's correct. I'm sorry. But but it is, I think, important, though, because identity is at the core of this problem, I think. Right. Well, yeah, and that that is like, okay, well, we've, we've talked a lot about it already, but the over-inclusivity is a good topic. Anyway, like it, that also, okay, I'll just briefly, okay, since we have a little bit of time, um, a little bit, <laughs> uh, LGBT and of course other letters are being added to this all the time is also rapidly becoming an over-inclusive term. Um, so the, the thing that actually got me thinking about this topic to begin with, I, I have a friend who is bisexual and he was talking about how historically historically is in like within the last hundred years um the the so-called gay community has rejected bisexuals um the the gay community rejects bisexuals and still does largely um and so lumping together lesbian gay and bisexual is already over-inclusive because okay sorry lumping them together into a category like if you you can talk about them as just people who are not hetero heterosexual these are just other sexualities that's that's fine but when you say the lgbt community he would contend there is no such community um because there there is some community between gay people but th they culturally reject bisexuals and this is not anecdotal there's actual uh, research that's been done on this phenomenon as well that's not the topic we don't need to get into that but that's just another example of over-inclusive terms right so i guess that's over inclusivity let's go back up to the main topic sure so the problem the, the main topic is is my issue with such communities the existence of such communities in 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 our society, as I as I mentioned earlier, there's there's a time and place for people who are like to stick together and protect themselves. That's fine, um, but it, it's exactly the type of thing that happened to my friend that makes me sort of resent the notion of communities like this. Yeah, and now I remember the point I was trying to get to by going through all of this and explicitly mentioning Indians, and that is that at what point though is it no longer necessarily beneficial because i think that would be the contention mm. right um i would contend that uh 
like for example the lgbt community the thing that, that is useful for binding them into that community is that these are all people who have faced forms of oppression or uh hatred or you know any sure discrimination discrimination yeah all yeah. the things uh because of either well the first three are kind of unique in this way lgb they it's because of their sexual orientation or mm -hmm. not sexual orientation is that sure sexual sexual orientation whatever se sexuality whatever right who they want to go to bed with essentially mm -hmm. but just in a nutshell it's not what most people do it's not heterosexual but then they're also lumped in with others so that also face similar kind of you know pushback so by binding together they can form a community to better establish themselves in the society in which they operate and they are a minority um i would say though that the premise that just because a group is a minority does not inherently mean that that group is constantly under threat unless you see the threat of long-term assimilation as a threat right so say for example and what does that mean right so mm -hmm. what i mean by long-term assimilation is not that all gay people eventually just become straight that's not what that's I mean. not gonna happen yet. no <laughs> what i mean though is is that the way we see things now, like me being a heterosexual male, if I just saw a gay couple walking down the street holding hands and a heterosexual couple walking down the hand, walking down the street holding walking hands, down the hand, walking down the hands holding streets, yes, um, walking down the street <laughs> holding do. hands, if I don't differentiate between the two, if I don't necessarily pull any kind of inherent negative biases and look at one any different than they're from the context of who they're going to bed with or mm -hmm. who they're attracted to. Yeah then yes you have assimilated at that point at least on to right you to have me. become normal in the culture yeah yes so once that happens you might still be a minority group um let's let's look right. at a different yeah being a minority does not necessarily mean you're being persecuted though yeah right so yeah w once you get to the point where society is not persecuting you um now of course people are going to immediately object and say, well, this group is still being persecuted in our society. Right. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say to that. I mean, it, it, other than that, that is a very, that's becoming more and more of an anomaly of a case. Liberal culture tends to radiate from the cities. And now even, even as you, as you're getting away from the cities, people tend not to really care anymore. Sure. Uh, it's coming from people who live fairly rurally, I would say. Right. Uh, I was going to say docs, but actually not. <laughs> um, yeah. But I still think that, that then the reason I mentioned it earlier, but what if you see that as the assimilation as the threat, then you essentially have said, I think, a set of conditions. Like, we're going to call back to our discussion on... Um, What's the term for it? It's it's the term that we prefer now, um, in incongruent to uh, being the melting pot. Um, uh, multiculturalism. Yes. So under the under the guise of multiculturalism, however, this assimilation is treated as a bad thing, mm -hmm. right? So, but under multiculturalism, the the state attempting to be achieved is that you want a distinctly similar, you want a distinct yet different minority to coexist. Again, distinctly is the is the key here from the majority of society. So, in that aim, the goal of multiculturalism is to halt assimilation. 
essentially. And we discussed in, in our episode on assembl- on multiculturalism how that's not really... We did not at least think that that was an achievable goal. Yeah, it's, it's not really an achievable goal, and I think it's it's kind of a toxic goal. I agree. But I think that that toxic goal also can create the scenario we we are seeing is that these communities might be propped up for the goal of fulfilling in an attempt to achieve a multicultural society. Mm. So it's sounding a little bit conspiracy theorist. Uh, it is. And I don't mean that necessarily like there's a gigantic coordinated effort, but what I mean by that is that, okay, imagine you are a member of, imagine you are a multiculturalist or you believe that multiculturalism is a value to be upheld, Mm -hmm. right? If people were to begin treating members of these minorities as though they were no different than the majority, you know, and this manifests in in certain ways, uh, like in both the law and employment, you know, benefits and things like that, or just in social, you know, like, how many venues are open for this thing or like all these different kinds of ways it can actually manifest. These things can be targeted, not by a big group, but by you might see that as a bad thing. And then if you have a community that you can go to and that also rejects this premise, you know, like, like I'm going to take the good example of the fact that gay nightclubs exist. Mm -hmm. Right. And these are nightclubs that while not necessarily exclusive of straight people, there is somewhat of a stigma. Uh, if you are a straight person and you go into a gay nightclub, there's a stigma against that. Because why are you here? You know? Right. Nobody here is interested in you. And the answer, and you're not interested in any of them either. <laughs> right. And if, I'm, and if I just tell them, I think that gay people just tend, gay clubs tend to have a better selection of music. That's why I'm here. They're like, sure. well, that's not our problem. That's not, you know, the get out. <laughs> like, you know, um, and the answer would be that you have a club. You can go to the the club, the just generic old club that yeah. they can also go to. But we need to have a special club because it's, factually speaking, there are just fewer gay people per capita than straight people, right? So, Right. I don't necessarily actually have a problem with that notion uh, or with, with that uh, phenomenon of... of uh... Okay, the way that I look at something like a gay club is... It's a club. Like I would treat it the same way I would treat like your like a ham radio club. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's that's exactly what I was saying. Is that yeah? You have. You're saying okay. People of this particular interest or characteristic, because I don't think being gay necessarily is. <laughs> it might be. Of it interest, implies something but... about your interests. Um, Fair enough. Technically, um, but yeah, pe- people of this category, in this case, people who are gay come here to find other people of this category. Right. Um, you're, you're creating a, a place for people in a minority group to find one another. And that, I think that's fine. Yeah. And yeah, like any other club, like if I like, I don't know, golf, I will go to a place to meet with other people who like golf and right. talk about golf or play golf or whatever. Um, that there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And, and you, you know, and it's, I'm not going to call that a, a weird thing because people who like golf are a minority group technically. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, <sighs> it makes sense to want to find one another The the, I don't. Okay. As I said early on, I don't have a problem with communities. I don't have a problem with the idea of communities. And I, I, 
I don't have a problem with like a local gay community. People actually finding one another to do things together, be that go to clubs or whatever. Um, the, the issue is with the, the notion that like everyone who is a member of this category should see one another as automatically an ally for being in that group. Sure. It, like, because it, like whenever I, whenever I see anything like that, I, I always think about, Hmm, what if the majority group looked at one another the same way? Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't people be outraged about that? I think so. I mean, you kind of see that when you look at things like, I'm going to use the term nationalism here. Mm-hmm. Some people would say I'm talking about patriotism, picked poison for yeah. the sake of this discussion. <laughs> but people of a country who, if the vast majority of which are citizens, I don't think there's a single, well, that's that's not true if the Vatican exists, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so it's it, it is kind of, that way like there is kind of a, a stigma right now against you know being pro i'm from country you know what i mean uh because of course you are and that's almost exclusively a majority thing that everyone's trying to be pulled into and i think uh, well I, I take two issues with that and one of them kind of leads back to something else you had said i who do you take issue with, right? Is it the person who's who is auto-including, like your bisexual friend? Other people who are not... Uh, uh, you didn't say their gender. Is it uh, him? Her? Him. Him, yeah. okay. So, uh, so he... Are other people looking at him and say, ah, oh, you're LGBT. Is it... Are they the problem? Because they're the ones pushing him into that group for the sake of classification. You know... It, and then treating that group differently and giving it that double standard or is the issue members of the group who say, no, see, I am member of community. And so are you get over here and pulling members into the group. And then I take issue with both of those. Right. But is there a difference, I guess? And is, is it the same I think problem? That, or okay. What? I think it, I think it, I think it is the same. And the, the distinction between these is whether the person doing it, is also a member of that group. Um, it's like if you have, you know, someone who says, okay, well, you're, you're also in this category with me. So come, come join our community. We're, we're, we're allies now versus someone on the outside, say a straight person who sees a gay person and a, and a bisexual person and says, ah, you two are in this group. You guys should be allies. Right. Well, and you don't necessarily see that too much, but you definitely see that racially speaking. Yes. Like, for example, I mean, there. I'm not going to sit here and make any claims because I don't. I'm not a, you know, pundit. So, uh, but the 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 um, well, what's it called? The uh, not assertion, but the um, allegation. You know, at least when it comes to the American political system, would be that. Oh well, if you are a member of the black community, then you should be a Democrat. And that comes from, you know, allegedly both people who are not members of that community saying, you know, hey, well, don't you care about the group that cares about your group? Uh, or members of that group saying, well, but you still face the same thing, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think it's funny when members of a group leverage the group tactically. Um, 
I find that to be like my unfairness sensor goes off when that happens. Yes. So I'm going to use, actually you have a great example of this, whether you want to share it or not. <laughs> um, uh, I do. You do. Um, because this person is a member of two groups selectively, but the way the group is displayed can be turned on a dime. Uh, so, mm. so for example, if you are a member of the Jewish community, right? Do they, do they call it do they does anyone use that term i don't i don't know. know that i've ever heard that anyway I, i've i've heard it called the jewish diaspora before which is another I kind of also term heard that for community but i think diaspora is actually an even better term because it literally just means a community of scattered people mm. so it's a geographically disparate community okay is what a diaspora is um so people who would fit into the jewish diaspora what do you mean when you say that because it's both an ethnic group and a religion, right? right? And for the longest time, they were synonymous because, and that was not unique to, you know, No, Jews. that's not special about Jews. Yeah. Um, and we still have the same thing happening, too, with people but, from the Middle East as well. Like, if you are from a country that, uh, of which, you know, Islam is the majority religion, you, you hear the Islamic world does not just usually refer to literally every country in which that is the case, but actually just the specific geographical area and everyone in that area is treated as though they are Muslim, mm -hmm. I mean, even though it's not the case. So anyway, go on. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know that I have anything too deep to say about that right now. Well, um, that's fine. Other than that, yes, I am annoyed at that person who will change his usage of the of the label Jew to mean the religious label or the ethnic label, uh, ethnic label, however, w whichever is more convenient for the political idea that he's arguing for. Right. But I think what I'm trying to get at is, okay, so if I were to speak to someone who claims to be, I am a member or a representative of X community. So now mm -hmm. you've got a person who they are bought into the community. They're pushing for the community, right? I have heard. I also question people's ability to represent such. Yeah, I think that's its <laughs> such own informal communities. Anyway, but go on. Right. Um, like, is there a membership card? Like, how do you? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I've heard in the same discussion, someone say, well, because I'm a member of X community, this. And then when the other person says something else, which applies to members of that community, they say, well, yeah, but not all members of the group are like that. So it's, which is it? You know what I mean? Like what usefulness is the group then? And it seems to be so malleable. Right. It's a community until it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, exactly. Your, your community when it benefits you and your individuals when you're not right. Which arguably you could say that that's just been a human strategy for a long time. People have come together and formed communities ad hoc like that for reasons and then disbanded, but it's never, I don't think been, done just in the same conversation and you can just hop in and out depending on which one and don't get me wrong i understand uh you know saying being a member of a group of which there are stereotypes which is literally every group by the way uh yeah you you probably have there's a good chance that someone has taken that stereotypical assumption of you and so it's not necessarily unlikely for someone to say well, yeah, of course, because most people, blah, you know, get, have this stereotype applied, then group. Um, I know I'm beating around the bush in your question. I'm really sorry about the main topic of this. But, like, <laughs> I, I'm just still trying to suss out because I think that I don't – I 
is the double standard intrinsic to the group or not? And if it isn't, like, because I take issue no, I with identifying just, uh, people as groups in general. Yes, me too. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I think the issue. I don't think it's inherent. I think it's just a, a meme in our culture that people of certain minority categories are in a community with one another. Right. Because I also... By virtue of being in the category. Right. Because I could also hear people saying that it's okay for a double standard to exist. Like, for minorities versus majorities, because the majority has an inherent advantage. So that's a double standard. Right. You know, so the the balance or the fair thing would be for the the minority to have some type of way to counterbalance it, right? That that's that's what they would say, and and I don't necessarily disagree with that either. There there are definitely, especially historically speaking, been great advantages to being. Uh, there's a reason we group up as human beings. <laughs> if you are the lone person uh, against a tribe of people, you lose most of the time, right? So it makes sense to tribe up. Uh, also, we are just naturally inclined to because we're social. But does that apply here anymore? You know, there's a lot of things we would like I think, to say. I think it is Im- it's, it's important to consider the reality of the situation of, yeah, majorities do have certain advantages over minorities. And we need to, minorities need to be able to protect themselves from the majority and people who care about uh, equality in society should, um, should look out for minority groups uh, and and try to protect them from oppressive majorities as well. Absolutely, that's fine. Um, like, I guess I guess my 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 issue is is with things like you know, let's say the the black community, and as I and as I said earlier, like how how that looks if there were a so called white community, um, that if if a if a black man says something like you know rise brothers we need to you know stand up for ourselves you know then this is seen as you know honorable activism trying to uh, bring about change but if a white man says the same thing then he is a racist well and you do and the answer that. is they're both racists Right. Because they're saying we need to stick together and do something be- because of our race. <laughs> we need to protect our race. Like that that is a that is as racist as it gets. Let's take a more modern example, the apartheid in South Africa, for example. Okay. Because that, that ended not that long ago. Uh-huh. Um and that is an interesting case in which the white population is the minority population. Right. That's true. So there you had the you you had the opposite of the situation you had in the United States. Uh, the the mi- there was minority rule uh, over the majority of the population. They were subjugated, mm-hmm. right? So now that's not necessarily the case, depending on who you ask. But now you're seeing a a different issue with you know the majority, uh, especially in government taking actions targeted specifically towards minority farmers in South Africa. That's one thing that was in the news. Uh, yeah. So th- that's an interesting stumbling block, I think, because 
is it really about majority minority or is it about like is it about something else because I, I i would say that because I've, I've heard people come to the defense of the majority in that case because they're mem- yeah uh, regardless of their intentions i'm not going to try to assume them or reclaim them here um but it had nothing to do with the fact that you were a minority or a majority. It was that X group held more power than other group. Ergo, now that we have that power, we should seek restitution using the power from the majority. You know, I'm using majority in terms of like power now. Like mm-hmm. we hold the majority in the power. Right. Dynamic. And then you get into the whole problem of, okay. How does a group seek restitution from another group, especially when generations have passed since the initial transgression? But take that back to a place like the United States. Mm -hmm. Is it that the problem, not that, you know, like with the LGBT community, is it not that they're a minority and they need protection because uh, the, you know, just because they're minority, but is it because they will always be probably a minority in power dynamic like in representation and in a democracy if you are a minority in power so like say that you know we were a direct democracy where it's literally a 51 percent vote Mm -hmm. uh, the only way that you could achieve a stable dynamic between the lgbt lgbt community and everyone else is if there were an equal number of the two if, as far as just legal right, like to, in order to take legal actions from one group against the other. And it's also making the assumption that groups are inherently in conflict, right? Yeah, that's exactly the issue that I was going to take with it. It's like, well, you're assuming that the culture is that straight folks, uh, you know, cis, het, white folks, or, well, I guess, I guess race doesn't matter in, in that particular case. But anyway, no. cisgender, heterosexual folks um, are just inherently against uh lesbians gays bisexuals um and uh transgender folks um why you know like that that does not have to be the case no but i think that's not the problem it's that but what if they were that's that's the the answer given it's like they could though like it's it's like saying it's not that like if you're sitting across the table with me with a gun and i don't have a gun uh-huh. it's not my problem is not that you are going to shoot me. It's my, me saying the problem is that you could, and I couldn't defend myself adequately. I don't have equal right to defense or I, I don't have equal capability you don't have, to you defense. Don't have power. Yeah. Yeah. Now it would be different if we both had a gun. Now, you know what, you know what I'm saying? And so, cause I really do think that's what it comes down to. And, and that's why it might per- be a perpetual issue because if you, you were in a place where political power is directly you know not directly but as much as people would think it is or like it to be is directly in relation to the percentage of the population if you find sectors of the population you could cut as you know sizes you know that that would be a majority then that group then has an inherent advantage and could do something against the other group and then you just take grievances from the past to justify when they did do it as a reason you know to to, to never to, to always to want the same ability to respond right i think that's really what it comes down to and, and that's what sets these people apart from the group that like non-offensive groups or non groups we wouldn't even consider to be this like you know 
gnome collectors or something like that. They've never necessarily been specifically targeted. Uh, sure. I don't think anyway. Uh, and so they've had no necessary reason to, although hold that, that does sound like a weird preoccupation. Maybe we should take a closer look at gnome collectors anyway, <laughs> get the Bureau of Gnome. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I think the groups that exist that have that problem, not have the problem, but are often have the double standard applied in, or upheld for them or amongst them. Mm. It's because there is a grievance that like they were taken advantage of. And the only way to say that at least allegedly might be to give them the, either give them the assurance, which is the more realistic one that no, that won't happen. Or they have the ability to politically oppose that substantially with, with power, I guess, which I, I think is also an issue. And the double standard just exists to offer a way to do that until they do like it's being used as a substitute because there is social power in that double standard, you know, like, and you know it and I know it. Anyone knows it. It, canceling is the social manifestation. I mean, do you really have it. to be a community to be a voting block though? That's yes. You, you, you've seen CGP Gray's rule, you know, rules for rulers and democracy. That's how it is. Well, his rules for rulers about a uh, section about democracy has to do with voting blocks, but I'm, I'm questioning whether a voting block has to be a community and see each other as allies. Because the whole, the notion of a voting block is just a politician categorizing people and predicting okay people who fall into this demographic are going to vote this way based on this issue right but that's how realistic non is that because they're a community if like if they it's a hard if because it like for example you know the civil rights movement occurred mm -hmm. right uh so that was a group of people that did that you know sure. like and their allies. It's same but thing. it also, but it wasn't just black people fighting for civil rights. No, that's why I said they're allies as well, right? Right, but they're actually allied around a political cause. They're not allied around their race. That's the distinction. I have a problem with people wanting to ally with one another because of the color of their skin. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I, I think, I think I don't have a problem with people allying with one another over political cause, even if that political cause has to be because. People are being persecuted because of the color of their skin. Yeah, but if the political cause is you're being persecuted because of the color of your skin, then what are you binding around then in order to push back against that besides the color of your skin since that's the deciding factor of whether or not you're persecuted? Well, no, the thing, it's, it's people, okay, people can be against the idea of discrimination based on race regardless of what their race is. Yeah. I don't like discriminating against people based on their race, even though I am in the majority category. Yeah. So, you know, perhaps back in the sixties, I would have been part of the civil rights movement, even though I'm part of the majority category because I'm against, because I, I stand for the things that they were standing for. Perhaps, but I don't know that, but I, I wouldn't call my, like, I don't become part of the black community because I'm standing by other black folks who are fighting for their rights. No, but that's because I think the definition of that community is inherently exclusive. Right. That's the problem. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Man, I, I think what we need to do is probably interview somebody about this. Maybe. Because, hear me out, 
it, it's kind of hard to speak as to the motivations and I don't want to malign motivation. No, I'm not going to speak for somebody else. No. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But what I would like to do is maybe speak to someone who is either like been either pulled or pushed into that group who didn't want to be. And then someone who willingly wants to be seen as a member of that group, mm. uh, to, or a group and then talk to them as to why and get their reasons because it, that's 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 I think one of the last things I'll say on it because I, I feel like that's going to be when when you ever you have a discussion like this and this has happened to me plenty of times the I hate being told you don't understand or you can't understand because I and I understand what's being said I guess, but to me that implies that there are special reasonings that only apply to certain people. And right. Well, I, yeah, yeah. Whenever, whenever I get the, you don't understand because you're not a member of an oppressed class. It's the same feeling that I get when, uh, religious folks say, well, you know, just because like, like you don't understand why God must exist because you know he's beyond logic or something like that like the understanding god is beyond you therefore i don't need to actually give you a real reason to believe right like well okay so you've given me no reason so i'll just continue not then it's one thing to tell me that i will never experience or i have never experienced because that is can be factually true yes that's true often it is especially when you're dealing with religious folks it's Mm -hmm. like well you've just never experienced his glory and it's like guess not <laughs> i guess i haven't yeah uh you know and and that's not Tr- unfalsifiable yeah. yeah but that's a whole different it's a whole thing. different i'm gonna not go down that rant right. but but what i but what i i, I want to drive the point home though because what i when i say i hate when people tell me i won't ever understand it's not mm-hmm. because it's because understanding it, it comes from our reasoning it, it comes from our ability to right yeah when you tell me I'll never understand. What you're really saying is you'll never be able to explain it to me. Right. And even if that's not what you mean, that's ultimately what's going to dead end the conversation. Well, yes. And just a a point of advice, you need to do your best to figure out how to explain yourself. Otherwise, no one's going to help you. Right. Um, You know, you maybe right now we're in a culturally special time where you can just say I'm of of an oppressed class and I need so-and-so-and-so to feel better, and people will just do that to try to make you feel better. But eventually you're going to run into a roadblock where it's like, okay, well, you need to actually have real reasons for what you're asking for. Right. And Uh, maybe you do have legitimate reasons, but you need to be able to articulate them or no one's going to be able to take you seriously. Right. And when it comes to this issue, I'm not saying that there aren't reasons. Sure, there certainly are. Yeah, and I'm not saying that any of that I, but what i'm saying is that i don't understand them a or b no one's explained it to me adequately mm-hmm. but at the same time i'm ready to be on your side yeah as soon as you tell me why i should be yeah right and then also keep in mind that the reason we're discussing this in the first place is because this is clearly something that's causing conflict it's mm-hmm. not something and conflict is not necessarily something we want to do uh because hear me out um I would like to live a life with as little conflict as I can. Mm-hmm. 
and never by never starting conflict. So it's this is not an open invitation. We to probably come. shouldn't have done this episode then, but but what I'm saying is, <laughs> I'll take a short term, uncomfortable potential conflict for a long term, like ease and understanding and yeah resolution. Right? It, it's worth it. It's for the same reason you stand up to a bully, right? Like you, you stand up to a bully because you don't want to deal with being bullied the rest of your life. And over the course of your life, it is better off for you to take a intense, brief conflict than to take years of minor abuse. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case for anything. Um, and don't get me wrong; I'm not necessarily trying to equate what this dealing with this as any type of physical abuse because it's not. But it's clearly something that causes that eventually right from one side or the other people have been killed over these types of disagreements and misunderstandings Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a problem for everyone involved whether you choose to see it as a my sides had victims and your sides had victims or people have died at period full stop you know regardless of which way you see it it's a problem um and i feel like it it needs to be resolved in, in a way that everyone can at least accept right um and we only get there if we actually use our reason to do that cuz reason is replicatable if i can reason my way through something then there's a way for me to help someone else reason their way through it it, it can't be based on well i've just always felt a certain way and it's like and you'll never feel that way because whatever it's like but okay but that's not going to solve the problem we can't go making political decisions because you feel a certain way Right, or maybe we can, but not because of the feeling. That's what I mean. Yeah, but... We can't do it just because of your feelings. Right, so let's find reasons, you know, because reasons can be argued. You can't argue with feelings, you know. Trust me, uh, I've tried. Like, uh, as a married fellow, <laughs> doxed, uh, <laughs> you can't argue with feelings, but... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I love you, babe, if you listen to this. Um, but yeah, it, sometimes... And maybe if the feelings are intense, you got to take a break and just talk about it. But I guess that's what... That's why I think this is a good format for that, putting it out there in this in this way. You can't argue with me right now if you're listening to this because I won't hear you, right? There's going to be a delay between the time... Or this could be a time travel experiment right now. It very well could be. If I'm time traveling, show up here at... I I don't want to get the... What's the time? Uh, 2.11 UTC. No, it's not. It's actually 1.22 UTC. Oh, okay. I guess it's not a time travel experiment, but, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at, you know, is this whole conversation was not to start stuff. It's to try to find resolution, I guess, because I know that there's probably already going to be people who may or may not have clipped this into God knows what in order to start conflict, but Mm, yeah, wasn't my intention. Anyway, (sighs) anyway, until next time, I guess. Philosophers. Philosophers. If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.